So tonight we're we're coming off of last week's last Wednesday's uh, sermon. So uh, two weeks back we kicked off the introduction to this study um, on heaven, and then last week, um, kind of out of left field, we actually started the study looking at hell. Um, and out of that, um, I left you with this question regarding. Uh, our knowledge and understanding of hell as we experience heaven. I think this is an important question. I would also go so far as to say this, that I believe that much of our misunderstandings about heaven can be uh, traced back to uh, a fear that kind of undergirds this question that we're going to address tonight. I think that somewhere deep down, ultimately... um, We fear that God is not good and that He is unwise in the way that He's ordered creation. Um, I think that because of that misunderstanding about God's goodness, about God's wisdom, that we find ourselves fashioning better approaches. Right? Like, Much of the time when we think about hell, we will do our best to think of a better way, right? Am I wrong there? Am I wrong that we find ourselves very offended when we think deeply about hell itself? That it is something that like we can get behind the love of God, we can get behind... Uh, the kindness of God, we can get behind the mercy of God, but there's something about uh, eternal punishment for sins that we find ourselves thinking, whether we say it out loud or not, that um, I think I could have figured out a better way. Um, Here's the reality. If God is good, if God is all-wise, all-knowing, and hell exists, then no matter what problem we would have with it, ultimately I think what we would find is that at the end of the day we are wrong in our understanding of something. Um, So as we kind of step from hell into heaven, uh, this first exploration into this, I wanted to um, address just out of the gate, probably one of the more difficult, um, emotionally difficult questions that we're going to face through this whole study on heaven. Like as we continue on week after week after week, they're going to be progressively more focused on heaven itself and the things that we might expect But tonight, as we think about heaven and the way that we envision heaven, uh, one of the things that I don't want, and this is why I've chosen to address it up front, is because what I don't want us to come to the conclusion of um, is that we somehow have to forget all that we know here or that we would forget all that we know here as the only way that heaven could be something worth enjoying. Um, I think that Scripture um, 
that the whole of Scripture does a pretty good job of moving the idea that we would forget this world altogether out of the way. Like, Jesus is going to be the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He was before the foundation, and He will be eons into eternity. And there won't be one of those who love Him, who find themselves at some point along that path in eternity wondering why it is that we call Him the Lamb slain. And I think any understanding of heaven and hell that leads us to a place to where we diminish who Christ is and the work that Christ has done is something that we should greatly work to avoid. Are you all with me? Okay, so we're going to look at three things tonight, three areas that I want us to consider I'm going to give them to you up front, and then we're going to just kind of walk through them one by one. So uh, the first one, we're going to see that this, we're going to see saints rejoicing over God's judgment in the book of Revelation. I'll say that again. We will see that when judgment comes, the saints are not mourning over it, but they are in fact rejoicing over God's judgment. The second thing that we're going to see is we're going to look at God is our comfort, and He is the great comforter. And then we're going to consider this, that God knows something that we do not yet fully comprehend. Okay, so those three things that we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at the saints rejoicing at God's judgment in the book of Revelation. You can go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 18 uh, if you're not already there. We're going to look at God being our comfort and the great comforter. And then we're going to consider the fact that God might know something that we don't. Um, I've got a place that I'm going to go here that um, tends to be one of my go-to places in Scripture for thinking about thinking about things that are difficult, like like we're going going to be looking at tonight. Um, so, with that being said, I want to put a couple of things out there. I don't have the next several weeks mapped out exactly. Um, I'm anticipating perhaps that after tonight you'll have questions that you might want to tack on to this one. And I don't want to say, well, we're going here next week and then leave questions that relate to this one kind of hanging out there. So um, after service tonight, um, you could either give it to me, write it down. You can text it to me. You can text it to Dustin. Dustin can get it to me. Um, you can come up afterwards and say, hey, here's a question that I have. Um, whatever whatever works best for you. Um, if there's a question that comes out of the things that we talk about tonight, I would greatly appreciate you bringing those up. And then we'll spend the, the next however many weeks addressing those until they're um, sufficiently covered. Um, so I don't want to just like put this out there and be like, boom, you should have understood it now. Um, I understand that this is a difficult, difficult thing. Um, and I think that it's important that we get this right up front. So, um, so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of a prophetic glimpse at the coming judgment. And we're going to examine the state of mind of the redeemed on that day of judgment. So um, spoiler alert, uh, we find ourselves rejoicing over God's judgment, not mourning over his judgment. Uh, also, this is kind of an interesting side Note, um, we're going to read the word hallelujah, which we find in lots and lots and lots of our songs, worship songs. I think that it's interesting to note that in the New Testament, 
uh, hallelujah is found four times in the New Testament, and all four times it's in chapter 19. All four times coming after what we're going to read here in verse 18, and ultimately as, a, as kind of uh, following up or ushering in the realities of what happens uh, in Revelation chapter 18 as a whole. So um, I'm not going to read all of chapter 18. I had debated reading all of it, but I'm going to I'm going to spare you that. I, I would say go back and read it. Um, what you're going to find throughout uh, chapter 18 of the book of Revelation is judgment on sin. So like if I were going to classify it in a, in a big way, it's judgment. God is judging sin. Um, and destruction comes from, from, from that judgment. In the, in the midst of that, we find verse 20, where heaven, and that's, that's the saints in heaven, that's the apostles in heaven, that's the prophets in heaven, that's, that's those who are in this intermediate heaven, find themselves being called to rejoice over the destruction of those that have been finding themselves in judgment through, uh, throughout chapter 18. So verse 20, uh, this call to heaven to rejoice. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets. For God has given judgment for you against her. So here we find uh, Babylon being kind of this um, prophetic object that, that justice is being um, directed towards here in the book of Revelation. And this judgment is being put forward here for the saints. So rejoice over her, O heaven. And look at this, and you saints. So um, this is a prophetic. This is a prophetic book looking forward to these end times that are guaranteed to come. A couple of things that I want us to, to gather from this is that you are likely amongst those that find themselves in heaven at this time. Okay, so this is prophetically looking forward. Now, um, perhaps judgment comes in our lifetime. Okay, so I'm, I'm, when I say that you find yourself there, I'm saying that, like, that this is still for us some future moment, and, and at that moment, our lifetimes here have passed. So we find ourselves amongst the saints here, amongst those who are being called to rejoice over God's judgment against sin. And also what I want us to see here is when we jump over into Revelation chapter 19, that you are amongst those here as well. If you are a believer who find themselves rejoicing, this is a song that you will sing about the judgment that has come. So as we consider, and, and the reason I point this out is because right now you may find yourself with someone that you have loved who has passed from this world and who you feel fairly confident that they did not love Jesus and that if you perhaps look at the life that they lived, that there was no fruit. 
So you think to yourself, this person might not be there. What will my heart feel like on that day? What will your heart feel like on that day? Because this is a prophetic book that can give us a glimpse into that future day, we can look at it and we can ask ourselves the questions, will I find myself there? Will I find myself as part of those who are in heaven, those saints? And if so, I find myself amongst these who are now singing this song. This is the heart. And and I, I want to pause here for a moment and I want to say, I understand before we even get here that it may be hard for us now to consider that at that point there might be those who we love now or have loved in this life who are enemies of the cross, who are enemies of Christ, who rejected Him, that on this day, that in full knowledge of that, that you could find yourself rejoicing. Okay, I understand that that's difficult for us now. If Scripture is true, and we're going to see as we read this that He continues to remind us of the truth of, of the Word that He's giving us. If Scripture is true, then you will, as a believer, most certainly find yourself when God, on that day, shows you the redemption that He has planned from you for you from the beginning, and destroys all who would stand against it, even if those happen to include some that we love here, that on that day you will rejoice in the work that He has done. Are you with me? Amen. You with me? Okay. Um, so, so let's read Revelation chapter 19, because this is a picture of there will be a change in you. Right? There will be a change in you. If you find yourself here tonight struggling with that question, and this is why we're starting here first, know that something will occur. If God's Word is true, if God is true and faithful to His Word, something will occur. Even if we can't fathom what that might be or how it might come to be, something will occur to where on that day there will be no restraint for the joy that you will have in the work that God is doing there. Okay? Hallelujah, he says. All right, Revelation 19, 1. After this, so after this judgment has been put forward by God, after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Our voices will be amongst that great multitude in heaven. Our voices will be there on that day saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. You will not question His judgments on that day. You will not question His judgments in that moment, you will not think to yourself, there was a better way. 
In that day, on that day, in that moment, you will say, for His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! Again, take note that this word that we use in praise is here being used in this moment. The four times that we find it in the New Testament, we find it here in this run of Scripture. Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Do you think on that day when we rejoice in this judgment, speaking of it being forever and ever, that we will realize what forever and ever means? For the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. So everyone in heaven here, amen, hallelujah, God's judgments are just, they're true. Verse 5, and from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out again. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Sometimes, on this side, you wonder if He does. Who is in control? Do you ever find yourself looking out at the world around you wondering if that's the case? If God is all-powerful, if God is all-good, then why this? You will not question on that day. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. On that day, we will rejoice. We will lift our voices high. We will give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. We don't have time to dig into all that this text has told. Perhaps at some point in the future we might circle back around to some of the some of the wondrous reality that is spoken of in that text that we're clothed in our righteous deeds and the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these are the true words of god these are the true words of god Church. So, the first point that I want us to take away from this is this reality that we can look at God's Word, we can look at the prophetic Word to know what our heart state will be on that day, 
And we can see here that we will rejoice over God's judgments because His Word is true. And it tells us how we will feel on that day. Okay? It tells us how we will feel on that day. Our hearts will be filled with rejoicing. We will say that God's judgments are true and just. So now we're going to go forward a a little bit here to to Revelation chapter 21. So if you'll flip with me, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 here. We're going to look at the second point that I want us to take away tonight. The second point here is that God is our comfort and our great comforter. Okay? So as we consider this thought about will the the knowledge of hell somehow intrude upon our joy in heaven, one, I want us to be comforted by the reality that God tells us a great truth in His Word about the heart that we'll have on that day, and it will be a heart of rejoicing. The second thing that I want us to consider here is who it is who will comfort us. Let's not underestimate what our hearts will feel when we together, as His bride, meet Him to be with Him for all of eternity. When He draws near to us in a way that we only dream of and imagine here, when He takes us in His arms on that day and comforts us, when He takes His hand and wipes away tears that might fall from our cheeks, tears of joy, tears of, I don't have all the understanding yet, Lord, teach me. And He will. So let's look at this. Again, His Word is true. And when we look at these prophecies in the book of Revelation, let us, let us understand that the same one that promised that the Messiah would come and die and be raised is the one that's making these promises that we find in this text. So we can believe them. We can trust in them. We can bank on them to be, to be true. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. Is God with us here tonight? Is He with us here tonight? Will it be different on that day then? Will it... Will it He's with you here tonight. Anybody come in here trouble-free tonight? Anybody come in here carefree? Anybody come in here with no worries? Caroline. <laughs> Count yourself blessed. 
<laughs> Some of you come in here with worries. Some of you come in here with concerns. Is God with you? Was He ever not with you? What will be different on that day then? Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. Is he with you? Yes. Will he be with you then? Yes. What will happen between now and then? This work that he's working in you, bringing it to completion, most certainly he will finish the work that he started. On that day you will rejoice. You will see things rightly that you don't see rightly now. You will understand His work more clearly than you understand it now. And He will be with you in a new way there. I want, I want you all to get this. Okay, because... Um, as we progress forward into this, we're going to be thinking about ways that He's going to be with us that are different than the ways that He's with us now. Okay? I imagine His disciples, those friends that He walked with, when they see Him again, and He has completed the work that He's done in them, and the rejoicing, the great rejoicing they will have, Reuniting with him, I imagine. Like, I hope that you never go through this life not imagining what it will be like on that day when you set eyes on him. When you set eyes on him, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit into the text. Um, I kind of put this as a, as an aside, but it's it's worth jumping here now. Psalm 73, 25 through 26. Whom have I? In heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Is that your heart? I wonder if it was the psalmist's heart fully and completely. Or if even those desires can find themselves diminished and lessened. But the Holy Spirit speaking through the writer here, nonetheless speaking a truth, that we will know more deeply, more fully, more real than we could ever imagine there, we will truly find ourselves on that day considering whom have I in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion Forever, We cannot for the life of us see clearly what He set before us. We work and we strive. We find ourselves continually needing to be reminded by His Word that is true what is true. Lord, when we see Him and our hearts speak that verse, I can't, 
I can't fully imagine what that might be. I can try. I hope that you try. Behold the dwelling place of God back in Revelation chapter 21 now. Behold the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is his word true? Then we can be comforted by this. That though we may have tears, though we may not understand, that it will be the God who created us for Himself to live with Him forever in eternity who wipes our tears. If ever there was comfort, if ever there was comfort, it would come from Him. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I'm going to read really quickly through the next few verses. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are what? Trustworthy and true. So will he wipe away your tears? Will there be a tear that he can't wipe away? No. Because his word is trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, as for the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I wanted to read that far just so that we don't miss by picking out the text that like warms our heart how closely these realities find themselves to one another. Right? It is, it is not as though he's just like, look at this and think about this. But he also, right in here, in the same text, points out this reality. Right? Like, and his words are trustworthy and true. Heaven and hell are realities. They are Eternal, they are conscious. They could not be any farther apart in the experiences of those that find themselves there. One joy, one torment. And still, Scripture would tell us that when that day comes, we the redeemed will find ourselves rejoicing because God is true. He is trustworthy. He is just. He is kind, merciful. As I think about that, sometimes, and this is where we find ourselves here oftentimes, sometimes 
knowing these things are true doesn't necessarily help us emotionally in the moment. If you find yourself with someone that you've loved that's passed from this world that is in hell today, your heart is heavy. No matter what the verses that we looked at said. No matter what they said. Right? Am I wrong about that? Yeah. I think there's a lot that we don't know. I think there's a lot that we can't see. That when we see it, when He reveals it to us, will change everything in a moment. Okay? And I want us to look in the book of Romans at a place where I I see a glimpse of this hope. And when I think about these difficult realities, this is the thing that I come back to every single time. Every single time. Is that He knows something that I don't know. And one day He will show me. And when He does, the effect that it will have on my mind, the effect that it will have on your mind, the effect that it will have on our hearts in that moment will be a change that overwhelms us. That like surprises us in a way. I don't expect that even if we tried our hardest that we would come to an explanation that would always satisfy every person that would come asking the question that we're asking today. But what I would say is this is an approach that I feel is helpful in us feeling our way towards what this must be. You with me? You got me? So go with me now to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 18 here. Um, this is one of those places that's extremely hard to just jump into. Um, Paul is like well on his way to making a case for the gospel of Christ. And he's pointing now this hope of the gospel directly in the face of believers. Okay, And he's considering the difficulties of this life, just the difficulties of life. Specifically, he's considering his own suffering here. And, and intermingled in this, no doubt, is the suffering that he knows that he's caused to others. And he's no doubt spent a great deal of time thinking about these things, like pondering these things, asking these hard questions like we ask ourselves... And he comes to a conclusion. And this is one of those places where um, I pray that we can get here. I pray that we can consider in the way that he considers. But I, I want us to focus on that thing that he's thinking about. Right? That thing that he's thinking about. Because I, I believe this, and this is, the, this is that third, kind of the third piece, and we're kind of wrapping up 
for this afternoon. Um, this is that thing that God knows that we don't yet fully see clearly, right? And Paul's considering it. And I think that this is, a, this is, this is one of those gems in Scripture that shows us how we should think about difficult things, specifically difficult things as, as they pertain to like sin and suffering and the, like the big questions of why, when those whys point towards things like the character of God specifically, is He good? Like, is His plan right? What's He doing? Like, couldn't we do this better? If our thoughts are headed in those directions and we find ourselves wondering if we couldn't have done it a little bit better than He did it, I want us to consider that there's something that He knows that He will reveal to us at a future date and that if Scripture, if scripture is true, if God's Word is true, then we can look at this text and pull out from it a reality that will help us while we're here in the in the in-between. Okay? And that reality is, is that God will reveal to us His glory, the glories of heaven, and that that revealing, right? Like the seeing Him in that moment, on that day, the being with Him, present with Him, in that moment, on that day, having been yourselves brought into glory, having been glorified, right? You've been justified by the work of Christ. You are today being sanctified by His Word, by His Holy Spirit. And you will, without question, find yourself at a moment in time where you have been fully glorified, standing in the presence of God Himself. And on that day, that transition, that revealing, will be such that anything that you thought you were going to bring in regards to like, Lord, why? Or couldn't I have done this better? Then in that moment, on that day, you will be so captivated. That even if you tried with all your might, you could not hold on to those things. Like even if, even if you thought that you would try, you could not. That's what he's telling us here. Like he's considered the sufferings of this present time. That they are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, I believe that the truth that he's giving us here in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, is a truth that does not stop being true at any point in eternity. That there will be no point in eternity where we reflect back on suffering, pain, trials, And think that it's caught up. Not a moment. I 
I believe that the truth revealed in Romans 8.18 is a truth so glorious, so grand, so magnificent, that it's worth spending a lifetime considering. Paul is not saying that there were no times of suffering. He's not here minimizing his own suffering nor the suffering of the saints. Instead, Paul is leveraging something he is well acquainted with, indeed something the people of God have always been acquainted with, suffering, to paint a picture that he hopes inspires the imagination. Pile up the sufferings of humanity, he says, for all of humanity, and weigh it out with the glory that awaits us. Will we break even on that day? Will it even be close in comparison? No. Nope, 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 nope. We will stand on that day and forever and eternity proclaiming that the glory He reveals will be so magnificent that those sufferings of this present age will forever be put in their place. Not as though we'll need to forget them to find joy in eternity. The joy will capture us so that there will be no need to consider the worth of it at all. How great is our God. Do you find yourselves considering how great our God is? Consider. Don't forget. Consider your sufferings. Consider your trials. Consider the realities that God's Word speaks to when it comes to the final judgment and that we will see something in Him that will leave no question of how our hearts will respond. He is trustworthy and true. His ways are right. He is just. He is good. We will have nothing negative to say about Him on that day. So, we've looked at three different things tonight. One, we've looked at Scripture pointing us to this reality that the saints at judgment rejoice in God's judgment. The second thing that we looked at is that it is God Himself who is our comfort and the one who comforts us. Again, His Word is true. And I want us to leave tonight considering, right? Considering. Because you all believe that He exists. You all believe that He saved you from yourself. Like we are here tonight in, in, in a common place there, right? Like we are all believers. I look around and I see brothers and sisters who have loved Jesus.
I ask that you would spend some time not forgetting about your suffering. And this is hard. This is, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something and, and try to continue doing this for the rest of your life, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to, a lot of times people, when difficulties come our way, like we want to move on past it, we want to put it behind us, we want to forget about it, right? Right? Um, Paul would encourage us in this text to think differently about those difficulties. Not to forget about them, but to consider them. To consider them as a means for considering the hope that you have. Right? To where you would say, if the suffering is what it is today for me, how great must the glory be? Right? Don't let your suffering drive you into the considerations of your suffering, but only as long as it takes for that to reflect you back to how great the God you serve and the glory that He will reveal must be. Must be. This would be a different discussion if I was talking to a room full of people who were not believers, but you are believers. So what I want to do is I want to convince you that on that day, you will see something in him that shakes your expectations. Okay, so that if you find yourself, whether you be in trials today, wanting to forget about them, that you would not simply forget about them. But that you will be looking for how great his glory might be revealed in those things. And then also as we consider how could we possibly enjoy heaven knowing that there are those in hell, some of them whom we might love, I also want to ask you to reflect on that same reality that there's something that you will see in Him. There's something that you will see in Him that will change the way that you think about you, that will change the way that you think about your sin that you have committed, that will change the way that you think about the sin that others have committed, that you would rejoice in a God who does not let those things go unpunished. And that instead of punishing us all as we were due for the wages of our sin... Punished his son. And his son went willingly. And finished the cup of God's wrath completely for you and I. I'm going to close this out in prayer. um, And then we'll do some prayer requests after that.